0: So this morning, I'm going to try to put in some um, foundational references. <coughs> now i probably going to move through different languages, because uh, things in English aren't always quite the same as uh, the words in Hali, they don't quite cover the same territory. So... First big word is chitta, and the significance of this word is that it's the chitta is that which is considered liberated. Um, So that's important. Chitta is considered that which is affected by joy or love or hatred or confusion. So it's affected by things, and it's also chitta is that which gives rise to chetana or volition, certain sense of push, inclination, um, proclivity, tendency, drive, everything from profound you know, urges to subtle inclinations. So it's our responsive, reactive um, base, our effective base, our responsive base, the um, thing that gets things going, our motivation base, and of course our frozen places where we don't feel motivated we feel kind of impotent and flat and helpless and stagnant and also chitta so this is our primary domain you might say it's the domain which is normally when it's active it seems to be I I I do I want I don't want I can't I can I ought to I might you know that's chitta there's a different Languages that, or conceptual references to this experience of an inclination or a hesitation or a, you know, a lack of inclination, the sense of well, I can't. Chitta. It's also that which is occupied by the sense of me. The difference between I and me is I as the actor, and me as the recipient. This happens to me. Me never acts. Me is the one it happens to. And they're often slightly different. I and me are related, <laughs> <It's> generally, to <laughs> some degree. <laughs> but everything that happens to me is not something I can actually always act upon. I just, oh, what's that? I don't know. Never mind, go to the next thing. So, me is receptive and Eyes the active when you when you contemplate those references, you can probably if you're really honest about it, recognise not all my activities are really strongly clearly conscious eyes, they're just kind of blurred eyes. Yeah. Suddenly I find myself doing something. That, what did I say that for? It happened. So actually those are these are reference points <coughs> which we can <coughs> To help you get an idea, really, chitta is not I or me, but it's it's occupied by those senses. Chitta is the responsive uh, quality, and it's also that which is affected. So, this is significant. Now, what word would you like to apply? English word would you like to use for chitta? Heart, maybe that's not bad. Heart, mind, maybe. Mm. Uh, always receptive, tendency for it to react and tremble, heart quality, good, bad. So it gives rise to skillful and unskillful responses. And that lays down what's called karma. Karma is the decisive actions of, of the I, of the chitta. Oh yeah. And me, it's called the old karma, that which happens to me. And the third aspect of it is myself. Myself is the residuum of all the me's <laughs> that have occurred. Oh, that's me, you know, as some kind of permanent entity. So often some is, stuff is almost frozen in place, or locked in place, habituated. That's myself, that's who I am. That's also chitta. And uh, based upon that basis, the I tends to get going in accordance with what's myself says or assumes, or, your, or the position, or the attitude, or the belief, or whatever that it's occupying. It's a kind of residual quality. Me is a brief moment. And that becomes myself as it becomes habituated. Uh, by and large, people in their lives tend to uh, being fairly kind of when you're very small, fairly open to just about anything—really good, bad, painful, pleasant. And then gradually you build up a certain set of references. That is who I am. This is me. You know, I do this. I do that. I like this. I like that. And that gives a certain uh, foundation basis, but it also can become very um, limited in that we lose some of that openness, and we can find ourselves becoming rather narrow, and even trapped in myself, me and myself like this, you know, stuck in this. Yeah? Some of it's good, some of it's not so good, but it, it defines, and um, in a way that can limit our potential, potential of Chitta, to touch into new things that I hadn't really sensed before. I hadn't really realised that, that Nirvana <laughs> is not built into myself, absolutely. <laughs> so we want to, you know, kind, of, you know, stretch the envelope, get out of the box yeah. of myself uh, in a wise way. Then mm-hmm. yeah, it can be released. Now, the release you know, is through another, even more fundamental property of chitta. We call it awareness. And I like the word itself. It's awareness. Is well, awareness is the, the basis that, whereby we can experience anything. Anything that happens has to be experienced. The only experience is by being aware of it. Right? You can be aware of feeling confused, happy, bright, mind states, thinking a lot, not thinking, uh, sublime, loving, so forth. And awareness is a, is a fundamental basis for existence. If you're not aware, you don't something that doesn't exist for you. Right? And of course, myself tends to limit what I'm aware of. Right? I see things through my eyes, through my references, through my uh lenses they are limited. So essentially we're kind of broadening uh, our access to awareness, being aware of perhaps subtler things or uh, less consciously verbalised experiences. This is chitta. So anyway it covers everything. Awareness, you know everything we experience is awareness, is held in awareness. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> that operates through these three or covers these three what I call three domains or three levels or three territories one is the body territory one is the heart territory and one is the thinking mind conceptual so conceptual, emotional and what I'll call um, somatic Embodied sense, and if you contemplate or give a few moments to considering, um, you know how a human being develops. First of all, no concepts at all in a womb. Yeah, you know, just basically, <coughs> this, it's it's aware. There's a very you know uh, an embryo has, has awareness. Uh, it can be, uh, they can, you know things to it and make it aware that show that it's responding to experiences. So it's aware, no sights, no sounds, just the fundamental quality of being embodied uh, properly, with some sense of safety here, no time. Yeah, now that's that's basically the sort of fundamental um, condition of birth as you come into embodiment. an embodiment. So it's very primary level, doesn't know much at all apart from maybe warm, safe, you know, no threat or whatever's coming through the chemicals in the in the, in the mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as you get born, <coughs> obviously that's a big, big push, and suddenly you're out there, and it's a very different experience, and... Uh, there's a sense of uh, surprise or shock or having to suddenly process a whole load of sensory input and we get, first of all, emotional responses we don't have any language for it you know, a sense of, you know, well, what's this? Uh, uh, and then seeking safety and warmth (coughs) the primary instinct so the first year or so we don't have much language at all which um, is the responding to feeling big agreeable, disagreeable, sense impact what causes pain what causes pleasure, how to avoid it so you're building up a certain you say, emotional, emotive um, navigation system you know, you recognising these things that are into my body on my hands, and they're part of me because they hurt <laughs> therefore that which hurts is me well, that which experiences pleasure, that's the me bit, that's the significant bit. So you differentiate it in terms of very simple primary signals of pleasure and pain. And then you after a while you begin to read, smiling face equals pleasure. because of course, good things are coming my way. So then you begin to get uh, symbolic or co- uh, cognitive operative systems. You begin to be able to interpret you know, nothing's actually physically touching you, but you recognise dark, light, smile, warmth as ah oh, that means pleasure. So mm-hmm. you get this cognitive, op- and then you begin to get words come in after a while. So you could say primary level, but embodied, somatic, secondary emotional, emotive, third conceptual. gradually, what occurs in life is the conceptual become very very significant learning, schooling, language, writing and so forth uh, and uh, body becomes less somatic more to do with uh, sense contact, touching tasting or even uh, inter image becomes a symbol itself mm. So from being something that is essentially felt, in itself, it becomes a symbol an image, doesn't it? You know, this is what we look like when we are young this is what a beautiful woman looks like or a man looks like this you're know, the right shape, or the right size you're not the right shape, or the right size well, what's that? that's an image, isn't it? it's a symbol there's nothing to do with the body itself it's to do with how it's interpreted but of course, this becomes extremely significant for us. So, you know, it's been many years, often feeling slightly <coughs> uncertain about how, what kind of body image you have, and uh, that can go on for a lifetime. Being disappointed or excited about your or know, about other people's body images. Well, you know, hmm. big story, isn't it? And yet. Essentially, you know, in terms of the body itself, it's either healthy or unhealthy, uh, it's sick or not sick. It's nothing to do with what it looks like. So this kind of movement, you know. so the secondary, secondary level, emotional and symbolic, third level, perceptual, and those carry big. Big um, grades in them to be conceptually bright, sharp, quick performance you know, comes in. So these three domains, and uh, but they're really not; th- they're kind of three levels of the same domain because they all affect chitta. They all affect awareness. Covers them all, and they well. Because of this, then, what is uh, experience on a symbolic level like, you know, you don't look very good, can be also transferred into a bodily experience of feeling nervous or contracted or awkward or, you know, in your body. <coughs> and so these things can resonate. Mm-hmm. You all know know. to the extent where that emotional impression based upon body can become quite uh, uh, have significant effects there's something wrong with me because me is the result of that which is experienced if I get told or rejected or told there's something wrong with me I don't really know what that me is but to receive that impression of the, of the rejection or the dislike or the accusations of another person that symbolic image, impression lands here and it lands also not just as an emotion but it also goes into the embodiment we feel withdrawn, we feel hunched, we feel nervy, we don't feel safe or grounded or we feel safe and grounded in less and less situations. So these three levels do affect each other. Often, what's said conceptually is felt emotionally and lands somatically. Mm. So if somebody calls you an idiot. That's a word. And you feel that emotionally disgraced, left out, rejected, and that has a certain sinking effect in the body, particularly if it's repeated. Rejected. So these three all do line up. What we might say is necessary for for health, for vitality, for completion, for happiness, for ease, has also to be sensed in these three domains in which the first domain, domain of body, is very significant you might say it's the most important (coughs) except we don't really always recognise it so from the bodily domain of feeling relaxed feeling uh, in the bodily sense safe uh, free from pressure, free from intrusion free from harm, free from accusation, free from blame free from these negative impingements the body feels relaxed and open Heart tends to session feel comfortable, thinking mind tends to purr rather than vent or flutter. Feel mm-hmm. so, feeling good. Mm-hmm. So on a very basic level, you might say the fundamental signals for embodiment is safe. Now, as a word, that's a very simple word. Yeah, safe. Well, the thinking mind says it's safe. You come down into your body, to your belly, to your merlinions. How safe is this? Would we, for example, feel more safe if we were sitting on our own in a quiet room? and if we're in a group of people we don't know probably yes maybe not terrified but yes, a little more comfortable like that uh, interesting isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. so you if know, any one of us aren't quite used to this because i'm generally the old one out but if any of you stood up so and look, to you how safe would you feel? You might feel <coughs> just to clothes and make sure your hair's all right, or move your hands, or twitch a little bit, or come up with a joke or something, you feel a little bit alarmed with that amount of attention. Nobody's saying anything negative, but still all the focus is there, how am I? If you did it for fifteen minutes, you probably start had to say something you know, to get out of that uncomfortable feeling. No, this is not your fault. This is just human conditioning. Because the most significant piece of uh, conditioning is other people. That's where we get our love signals from. Where we learn, we model by other people. And of course we get hurt by other people more than by anything else. Other people mean a huge amount to us. And we are flock creatures. So we're highly attuned to the input of other people, and when you briefly riffle through, you can recognise it's not always good, is The input, the effects of other people. That that shapes me, uh, Terms of what's appropriate, skillful, needed, helpful, interesting, praiseworthy, approved uh, of, disapproved of, and so I get patterned by that Emotionally patterned by that. Mm-hmm. Very significant. Now this all this is we call old karma, old karma, that which gives rise to me. And as it becomes habitual becomes gives rise to myself. So you might say a very fundamental meditation at any given moment for at least two or three minutes is what's it like to be me right now? doesn't matter what it is, I just want to know what it is. What is it like to be me right now? Without I doing something about it without I making something happen just the receptive what's it like to be me right yeah. <coughs> mm-hmm. and we might notice a certain shifting some of it's process of inquiry some of it's just the restless what? I guess it's okay it's okay I suppose yeah, right Is it happy? Well, happy? (laughs) No. Is it free? Well, not really. (laughs) Is it at peace? It's okay. No, no, really, just, just the, no, it's not at peace. It's not happy. It's, it's manageable, sure. (laughs) So, you know, what I is it then? I um, think I should be doing something. <laughs> Don't quite know what to do. So, I think, do something. So that. Do something, why? So that I will feel better, presumably. So what's that? What you can do is to make you feel better. Um, uh <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, be happy, um, settle in. Okay. shifting, isn't it? Shifty, shifty, shifty. So that the me sense is a shifty, unresolved sense. Mm. It's old karma, shifting around. And it necessitates, it asks for fresh action to improve the state of being. Old karma, myself, me, maybe not miserable, but just somewhat incomplete, therefore triggers, oh, do something. Just shift your shoulders, breathe in, breathe out, meditate, Whatever. Do something. Fresh karma. Old karma triggers new karma. Action. Action. Karma gives you a result. Do something. Something else happens. That I'm with. That I am. How is that? It's okay. Not bad. But is it? Well, that's not complete either. So more karma is needed. More action. Go deeper, go quieter, go happier, uh, get rid of that pain, uh, that discomfort, maximize the positive, more karma. What does that go to? All karma. Old karma, new karma. Very good easy Musical chest, running around the karma. <coughs> Buddha talked about particular kinds of karma, or skillful actions, which you must think of action not just physical action, or even conceptual action, but also emotional action, that is, emotional inclination. We might say heart inclination, such as to calm, or to brighten, or to inquire, or to, you know, not, these are not unskillful, but some sort of action because there's an action that leads to the end of this cycle whereby instead of having to do another something so that we'll receive another something or we'll make us do another something so that we receive another something which will make us do another something instead you can actually get to the end of that process where it's just rested completed fulfilled, peaceful This is the best kind of karma, best kind of inclination to to (coughs) cultivate. Now as we can see, (coughs) uh, just in that map, clearly karma operates in terms of time. I'll do something so that in the future I will experience something else. Or it could be, I want to go back to that experience I had, Three years ago, when I felt peaceful, or happy, or loving, or something, we have that again, when it goes back in time, it goes forward in time, goes back in time. And that which goes, moves in time, cannot get to the end of that process. So there will be another future, and maybe that sounds okay, Except of course the future doesn't stay the future for long, it becomes the present, and the present gives rise to the sense of another future. So it's old karma we parker again, karma, old karma. That new game. That's what we call the world of time. And dependent on how much pressure there is, that's the intensity of the karma. The pressure. And I'm saying sometimes that pressure is, is I really, really want to you know, get my act together, I really want to cut out this, I really want to come to terms with my unschooled habits. Good calm. Certainly there's a pressure and a push there. And some it's negative calm, such as self-recrimination, berating, grudges, genesis, worry, anxiety, fear can only create negative effects. This has to be understood. cannot act upon negative karma in any way that's going to give rise to positive results. So if you're experiencing worry or anxiety and you follow that, it can only take you to being an anxious, worried person. An anxious, worried person is always going to be in some state of agitation to find a an answer to their anxiety or worry and their agitation will give rise to more of the same So, what's the key? What's the way out? What is the experience of karma? Where is the agent of it? Where is the sipping of it? Where is the I? Where is the me? where's the sense of time, future, results, past. It's fundamentally in the heart. The thinking mind can formulate it, can say, I want to go to this particular place, but the heart says, I want to go. And then the thinking mind inks in the details of where to go and how to go and so on and when. But essentially, the push of karma is in the heart. The way out of it is going to be very radically assisted by the body. Because the body doesn't know time. It doesn't really know consequences. It just feels. It's the primary thing that just feels, effects happening. body itself has no particular volition. You can lie a body down when it's sleeping. It doesn't want really to do anything. It's the heart that wants to do things. The heart which receives the signals and the images that keep it moving. body doesn't have signals and images like that. Mm. These is images, those I say images, they're not just visual images, they're heart impressions of what I should be, what might happen by the end of Tuesday, uh, what the winter's going to be like, uh, how what my mother's like, living in the other side of the country. Those we call images and heart impressions, some of them are just no visual impression at all, they're more like emotional impressions Those are the leaders of the heart and the triggers, the signals that give rise right to heart impressions of inclination or disinclination The body doesn't know that So in this body, there's the possibility for the MD of that process, ending of time, <coughs> experiences agreeable and disagreeable feeling. Certainly. There is no impression of the future or should be. There's no regrets, no grudges, no just experiences, now disagreeable, agreeable feeling. There's resistance to that great disagreeable feeling but it has no um, future to it. Now these bodily impressions uh, are really much more profound than that which occurs through touch. So you may think, describe the body, you may very well think, assume that I mean the physical system that you can see with your eyes. So that's quite understandable, but that's not what I mean. Now that's part of it. But the main feature is what we might call your sensitivity, your bodily sensitivity. And it occurs both through physical contact but also through more fundamental somatic impressions such as safe, tense, open, light, expansive, contracted, numb, closed, shaky, scurry, bright, those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, so these are very fundamental somatic impressions. Balance is one of them described this morning. Somatic impression. The body assesses by itself assesses the quality of the embodiment experience. Too much this way, that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's balanced. Mm-hmm. That's a somatic ex- experience. It's an overall experience and spread to include everything in the body, in the physical form. Embodiment also includes balance. It includes a sense of of um, cohesiveness. That is. Feels kind of numb up there, that's shut off. Recognizes it can, it can can cover the whole of the form and inclines towards inclusiveness, whereby there's a sense of everything feels connected, nothing's shut down, nothing's cut off. Mm. These are fundamental embodiment experiences, and when it's like that, the body feels light, buoyant. uh, in that sense, so much so that uh, because it's so it's so important, so fundamental, like you know, for, for being born, you know, for being in the womb, some sense of this is this is me, this thing, all this experience is in my territory. You know, it's that primary that when we touch into that that feels complete and balanced. The quality, when the heart reads that, it feels safe and happy and comfortable are. Ah. To the extent to which even physical impingement is, inconsequen- is of little consequence. Sensory impact is of less consequence. Oh yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's, yeah my shoulder's a bit tight, but i I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. And there's a sense of dignity, confidence, and completion that occurs in the heart when it reads that impression. This is the basis of what is called samadhi, or unification of mind. It's a heart quality. And when it's like that, then the thinking mind quiets down because... Right now, something to think about, because right now I'm feeling good. What I need to think about in the future for, or remember anything, this is fine. You can recognize so much of one's conceptual activity just comes from this fundamental agitation of the me sense. It may not be acutely agitated, but it's just the fundamental stirring of, well, do something to feel something better than this. And that stirring creates a kind of eddy and the thinking mind starts moving on that. Something to eat, something to plan, something to remember, something to fix, uh, something to get organized, something to you know, whatever. So it just eddies through the system. It gets fundamental stirring called restlessness. That stirs and then the thinking mind starts moving around that. So essentially, you know, where does all this movement uh and why should it stop anyway is it unpleasant? Not always by any means, but it is of no final solution. There's no conclusion to it. It's of the nature to be inconclusive. Everything that comes from movement like that lands into the sense of being affected by movement that requires more movement to keep sorting it out. It goes on and this is no freedom from that pattern So the release of the chitta through embodiment through receiving the effects of settledness through discerning conceptual and emotional stuff that you can you can step back from because in your body you feel a sense of stasis and stability and safety so that's yeah is that but it doesn't matter because I've got this from here this is just stuff pattering through okay but this is this therefore this other stuff we're not putting more input into it we're not worrying about it. We're not trying to suppress it. We're not planning it. We're not organising it. Just steaming it off, you might say. Therefore, it doesn't land on as a me result. Therefore, the karma ends. Fresh karma doesn't land, or it fades out. It's not laid down as a foundation for future action. This is where it ends. Now it's you know we can use terms like letting go and non attachment and so forth. These are concepts. But all concepts are tertiary, they're not primary or even secondary, they're second, third. Therefore must be treated with considerable suspicion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, some yeah they're generally saying good things, but they're not necessarily going to the place where those good things can be actually fulfilled. They just wrap around in one's head, causing more movement. a Concept that doesn't go to the right place is useless. Mm-hmm. it doesn't go to the the right place, there's not much point in having it. Except maybe to keep indicating, you know, this could go to the right place, (laughs) but where is it? And unfortunately, this is, for most people, quite a considerable disconnect between the conceptual experience and the somatic experience. Again, this is not to be critical or fault-finding, it's just the nature of our human conditioning. We are highly, highly tuned and developed to conceptual organization. Our culture is based upon it. Our lifestyle is based upon it. Based upon profound and strenuous degrees of conceptual organization. When you get so much energy going to that, eventually, you know, you can't cover all the bases so the body drops away. I mean, it's a kind of meat-on-stick experience. It's there, sort of. Hands are there, feet are there to do the appropriate things, but somatically becomes more and more, less and less frequently accessed, and therefore more stupid. Less, less, Less acuity, less sensitivity to it. Uh, particularly of course if people you know give substances that that, that negate or numb or completely confuse the body chemistry mm-hmm. so in you know, just a as a simple piece because i'm talking conceptually you know, just the motto slogans you can uh, Well, I encourage you to bear in mind you can't let go unless there's something else to let go into. In other words, you can't jump off the pole unless there's a safety net to carry you. You can't let go of your thoughts until you've got something else you feel held by. Uh, You can't relinquish an afflictive emotion until you've got something that makes you feel safe and happy and comfortable. Therefore, you can because that afflictive emotion, that repetitive thought process, is no longer necessary. It's not a question of preference, it's a question of necessity. If you had preference, I'm sure, if you could choose and prefer what state of mind you'd be in, you would not be sitting here, <laughs> <all> this stuff. <laughs> we would have sorted it out by now because we all know exactly what we want happy, peaceful, loving, warm, contented mm-hmm. constantly <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't do that why? because the necessities the conditioned necessities yeah. they appeared necessary because we didn't have access to a place where they were no longer necessary because of this sense of myself and me, which is this constant stirring of incompletion, it was necessary to do something to make it feel more useful, competent, pleasant, agreeable, so forth, to me or to somebody else. So there was a necessity to do that so that, hopefully, in the end, I would feel accomplished, complete, happy, approved of, and confident. But it didn't work. So put more effort into it, and so on. So, yeah, did that didn't work. So just try another thing, another parlor trick, and put more effort into it to get that. And you don't get it because you're operating the same process, the you know, conceptual, emotional process, getting stirred up, trying to figure out what to do about it, doing something, gives you a result that was okay, but just a little bit more <coughs> and so it goes on and on because there isn't a landing place for that now that landing place actually is a, is a sort of body which is what I call the primary base, the fundamental base where things can land and you know, it's finished it's, there's no need for any more of that because I've found a place where I do feel complete settled, safe, comfortable. on fire it's okay mm-hmm. That is possible. Remember, it's not without the conceptual, it's not without the emotive sense, but the conceptual is just pointing. Go there. Go there. And it's pointing to the heart saying, Feel that. Feel that. Feel that. Till it gets it. There. Oh, yeah. That's where I. That's where. I don't need to do that anymore. Go on to the second hmm? So these three domains: chitta, the awareness that senses all of this, even though it's not very clear what it all is, even though not all of it could be translated to conceptual understanding or models. Some of it's intuitive, some of it's imaginative, some of it's kind of vague hunches and feelings. Some of it's kind of on the borderline between emotional and body sense, like feeling kind of edgy or kind of precarious. What's that? Feeling new place, not entirely certain, not yet settled. Is that emotional, is it body-sense or a bit of both? It's a territory there where they blur and then you come through time, through practices well, look, right in here, somewhere there's a place we call here which is not about this building or this state or this country it's a here that's always here <laughs> where if you go, here it is, that's your safe place it's the only safe place, really, ultimately safe. The rest of it, you know, we've got tornado shelter downstairs. Just <laughs> me. It looks like solid, doesn't it? Building should be okay here. Tornadoes. Oh goodness! But when a tornado hits, I'll still be here in my here-ness. <laughs> That's for sure. Until it's finished. If it finishes. So that here is the aspect of truth we call presence. Because it's true. It may not have a lot of conceptual answers to it, but you know, yeah yup, that's true. It's here. What, am I do? No, no, what I'm going to do about it is, is moving away from here, isn't it? How can I get to be more here? No, that's moving away from here. Also, isn't it? Or that movement, what we might say, there is a movement that can incline towards here, which is just that simple process of inquiry. Where am I? What is here? What's And how is it? Where's the safe place that's always here? Beneath. Or behind, or wherever you want to put it, these thoughts, these moods, these sensations. Mm. And the beauty of that here is, here is a given. You cannot do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to create it. You cannot create it. You cannot. It's a given. It's the fundamental given of birth of Chitta, you're here Because it's given, because it doesn't need anything to be done to it karma stops, there's nothing to do about that About that piece this is not the end of the story but it's giving us a reference, perhaps, I hope to acknowledging there is a kind of an action penetration inquiry sensing attuning is an action that leads to the place for action is not needed. Because it's not needed, then because of that, letting go, because you don't carry what you don't need. This is fundamental safety, fundamental fears. You touch into that. This is our entry point. It's not the end of the story, because there are many, many, well, a whole rainbow of strands of pieces that are forgotten, that have to be remembered that have been buried, that have to be revealed that have been um, uh, never been properly accessed, that have to be accessed in order that they can come back to here and finish their story, their lamentation, their withdrawal, their clamour. But you have to find a place for them. Without this, you just go chasing those things, around, like running around chasing bats around a the barn. They just keep fluttering away in the dark. You never get them. This is the place where they can roost and dissolve. As it said in the Sutta, this is the in this body, this consciousness and perceptions is the arising of the world, your world, your life, your story, your myself, what whatever your myself is about. That's where it comes from. It comes from this loss in terms of primary embodiment safe embodiment conscious, clear, welcomed embodiments given It rises up into a very uh, complex detailed and emotionally tangled spirits we call my world and it's in this body where that can cease come to rest For our primary meditation mudra, mudra is normally a hand gesture, but I'm using this more figuratively. You consider this whole physicality as being like a gesture, like a hand gesture. It's not just physically what it looks like on the skin, but is it like a settled, you know, like a hand that's got its on the floor, firmly held, palm open that's the way your body should feel that's the way you want to cultivate it like it's hand resting down the palm up it's got support, it's open if it's all twisted up, no you need to do some stuff to shift that if you're holding it up, no it's got to find a place to rest rest, yeah. when it rests, when it rests it really rests it naturally inclines towards open because why if you're rested, why do you want to hold yourself in a tight way? You're rested. Now we can cultivate this sitting, we can cultivate it standing, we can cultivate it walking, we can cultivate it lying down. And they have different qualities to them. Cities so give you a much more This is optimal, of course. Brighter, more concise energy. Because the upright position So certain sharpness, brightness to it. Walking gives you more flow. Naturally, it's mobile, it's a motile movement. Standing is going to emphasize the sense of the overall quality. Sitting, you tend to lose your legs a bit. more back torso, head with the uh, standing also lengthen your body pressure down into your feet you want to make sure you really do that so you know your legs should be 60% at least you know, and the rest of it is just you know, so you really get the sense of a balanced position grateful experiencing balance and also space around you because you know, the rest, your upper body is relaxed Reclining is good for a sense of really safe, like trust. You can just lay yourself down and uh, open. Um, primarily, people generally want to do reclining either on their own because it's a very vulnerable position, very open position, or in the back of a hall somewhere. Um, and we can do reclining meditation naturally. A diff- the problem with it, is you tend to you can fall asleep there uh, are worse things than yeah, to see but uh, it's quite beautiful because it can allow you to be conscious in a, in a quite soft and vulnerable way it does a lot when you're lying down to a place where you can get the sense of rest and letting your chest open up yeah. so they have different, these mudras have different um, benefits and of course they have the Disadvantages, you know, say sitting position can feel tough in terms of your musculature, spinal damage, shoulder cramps and so forth. Yeah. Uh, walking, you get distracted through your eyes. That's the problem. Walking, you would have your eyes open. If you're walking, you want to keep your eyes so that on low beam, not looking down. And also, with walking, tendency can be so built-in with walking to get somewhere, then you lose the hereness of it. Walking, remember, you're not walking anywhere, you're just walking into the space half an inch in front of you. It doesn't matter how fast you walk, as long as you keep that sense of, you know, really touching the space in front of your body as you walk and feeling your body moving in that space bubble that's around you. Don't walk as if you're walking 15 feet ahead of your walk, as if you're walking one inch at a time ahead. Then you stay, you keep the here, that's the balance. It's easy in walking to go into there, and how long you go back into space and time again, and therefore it gets agitated. And back into here no time it's peaceful it's a lovely flexible movement so these are mudra to practice um, getting familiar with them um, we can of course and due course of time depending on how things go we can add refinements of attention within that particular details that we can focus on which will support Our process of inquiry and penetration and, uh, deeper, uh, settledness. But for now, you probably know some of these anyway. But for now, cultivate in line with any of this that's been useful for you.